Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will paul 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a special guest good friend jake asman at jake asman on twitter on jake asman on youtube sports map radio host weekdays how you doing today jake well i'm doing great man always great to talk football talk some jets thanks for having me back on the show of course of course we're uh you know we did a little stuff on your show we'll, we'll bring you on here and get you in front of the uh the jets faithful and the turn of the Jets faithful, but uh, exciting times. Jets, you know, veterans reporting tomorrow. So this podcast will be dropping, um, you know, on the 27th. So tomorrow's training camp starts. First official day. Rookies, uh, you know, reporting. Obviously, Zach Wilson hopefully has to get his contract done, which I have no doubts will get done. But what's your level of excitement going to training camp? What was it last year? And then what is it going into this season out of 10? So last year, it was such a weird year because we were in the midst of COVID and we were in the midst of just not knowing what the season was going to look like. I I get excited every year because football is my favorite sport. But last year, even after the Adams trade, like you just knew like, okay, this is not a year where the Jets are all in, quote unquote, to try and win. I I wasn't happy with what they gave Sam going into the year. It was a lot of, well, if this happens, if this happens, then maybe they could do this. They didn't win seven games two years ago, all that. And you know, looking back on it, I mean, the team was awful. So in hindsight, we should not have even been, you know, trying to find the positives with the team uh, going into 2020. This year, though, completely different. One, you have fans back in the stands. MetLife will be packed week two for the home opener against the Patriots. And there's just a totally different vibe around the team. You have a, a young rookie quarterback. We're all excited to watch and see what he could do in this offense. You have a head coach that is still in the honeymoon period right now with the fan base. And, you know, by accident, he's a significant improvement over, you know, what they just had with Adam Gay. So, you know, there's a lot of optimism right now. And there should be because the Jets, I feel, and we've talked a lot about this, uh, Will, have had a really good offseason. They have filled a lot of their needs. They have drafted some young, exciting players that have a chance to have an impact from day one. And I think if you're a Jet fan, you see that there's a real plan in place that this team is headed in the right direction and they have a foundation that's being laid out by Joe Douglas and company over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think this is a this season where the expectations aren't, you know, very high, but the expectations to enjoy on Sundays is pretty high. Like the win total is maybe not what you're looking at. It's about how these guys develop, how, you know, 
Sal looks as a head coach. Wilson looks, you know, as the starting quarterback. Some of these young guys, the Elijah Morris, Vera Tuckers, even the development of a Becton, Davis, you know, those guys in year two um, is a huge deal. Obviously, there's been a lot of different things happening. Corner's been a huge issue, um, both in the media and the fans, you know, side of things, but also I think internally, I know that they know they're young. What was your kind of reaction, Brian Poole signing with the Saints? Um, Steven Nelson, who the Jets were never going to be in on. I'm not sure why the fan base was so overly obsessed with him. He's a guy that's very reliant on a pass rush. Um, his numbers are really bad when there's not a good pass rush. So I don't think that was ever going to happen. But there are some corners coming off the board here. Do you see the Jets kind of being active in the waiver wire? And, you know, that during training camp, or they're going to roll with the Isaiah Dunn's, Jason Pinnock's, bless Austin's of the world, opposite Bryce Hall, you know, in week one? It's a great question. I mean, my reaction was, well, it's clear they're going with you know the guys they currently have, which it kind of felt like for a while now they've indicated that was going to be the case. Like you and I talked about this. I never thought Richard Sherman, as an example, was a legitimate option for the Jets. But it does tell you that they, they have a lot of faith in the guys. You sure he's do. not now? I feel like that video, he's hitting that door pretty hard. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's out of line. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know where he's now going to end up given his circumstance. But, you know, you, you look at the Jets situation at corner and one, their defensive line should be a lot better this year. So they probably think they could scheme their way to having a much better secondary than people give it credit for. And I think, too, Robert Sala is a defensive guy. He's a guy that has, can maximize the players that he already has on this team. And I think the Jets see some of the talent they have with maybe a guy like Bless Austin. They see some of the talent they have with a guy like Bryce Hall. I mean, you know, excuse me, as my alarm clock goes off there, Will. But you look at just, you know, some of the options that the Jets have in their secondary. You know, they're unproven, but I think the Jets genuinely do feel that their scheme, what they're going to be deploying, and the way they're going to use some of the guys they do have, they'll be able to maximize the talent. So it's a bet, but when you're a rebuilding team, you could take chances like that and hope you're able to develop some of your own uh, players in the secondary that could have a positive impact. Yeah, no, and, and the thing for the Jets that I think, you know, obviously not – being an expected to be a playoff team and it'd be great if the Jets snuck in as the second wild card with nine wins and we'd all be thrilled. But if they win six or seven games and they all of a sudden know going into year two, oh, we have something in Isaiah Dunn. We don't need to go big shopping on a corner. Maybe we can continue to address the O-line or we need to address linebacker. Or we need to address, you know, right guard. And maybe we need to add another receiver because at the time someone doesn't look the way we wanted it to. I feel like we're not giving enough credit to Douglas in the terms and solid in terms of they need, they want to invest young and they want to invest, you know, solid last year, that group is really unproven in San Francisco and they lost their pass rush and they were still a really good defense. And Jason Verrett's a talented player, but he stayed healthy for the first time in his career. You know, maybe bless Austin stays healthy and he's solid, or maybe Isaiah Dunn takes that step and goes, I could be a long-term number two here. And Bryce Hall looks like a long-term number one. We don't know, um, but that's gotta be the hope in the building is, they don't play a lot of elite quarterbacks. We've talked about this before, and I've talked about this with Connor a bunch. They do not play a lot of elite quarterbacks this year. Even the teams with great receivers like a Miami, like a Tennessee. I mean, I like a Tennessee, like in Atlanta and Tennessee, and those teams, like you're in, those are guys that are maybe fringe top 10 guys in Tannehill and Matt Ryan at this point. Um, they're not facing Mahomes, Rodgers, <laughs> you know, and Brady four, you know, four or five times this year. So, um, you know, go from there. But Linebacker is another position. I'm not sure your feelings on this. How much, how much of a concern is linebacker? Because other outside of Mosley, who is also kind of an unknown at this point, I feel like, you know, we expect him to be really good, but we haven't seen him play football in two years. What's your level of concern there? Do you think just kind of feel like similar to the defensive, uh, you know, similar to the secondary solid players, but kind of just got to see what we get there. 
Yeah, I think there's a there's a great unknown with the linebackers just because like you like the upside of a guy like Blake Cashman, but staying on the field has been a big issue for him, obviously, in his career. And then you look at a guy like, you know, Gerard Davis, who they bring in and a couple of years ago, he was pretty good. And, and the Jets think in their defense, he'll be back to that player that he was before, basically. Matt Patricia got to Detroit the last couple of years. So, you know, I, I think there's some players there that you like. The, the big question mark for them, though, is going to be C.J. Mosley. If C.J. Mosley's really good again, if he returns to his Pro Bowl caliber form you know, as a middle linebacker, that will elevate the entire defense so you know there's certainly question marks at the other spots but mostly being really good and you know living up to this asinine contract that mike mccagden gave him uh that would that would go a long way towards this jets defense overachieving and being a lot better than probably nationally people expect and then the other in the offensive side of the ball obviously it's very young um you know you got i guess they're not question marks but you just have a kind of unproven guys in terms of high upside in Vera Tucker, McGovern in year two, surrounded by much better players, should be a huge increase. And receiver, we've talked about before, Mims and Elijah Moore and guys like that. The two position groups I feel like we're not kind of talking about as slight concerns are tight end and right guard. Right guard, you know, you hope that surrounded by four decent offensive linemen, decent to really good offensive linemen, that right guard Van Rotten or um, Alex Lewis or Cam Clark, who we've never seen play football, um, you know, maybe takes a step. What are you more concerned about tight end and hoping Chris Herndon is good or right guard and hoping that the teams don't exploit that right guard position playing the Jets uh, offensive line? It's tough. I mean, you can argue either one. I would probably say right guard though. Cause I think the Jets, even though they don't have great tight ends, I think they have enough there where at least like, you know, they, they have something that they could put out there. That's not like just an embarrassment. Like I, I don't think, you know, the Jets are going to feature the tight end heavily in their offense this year. Cause they value the tight end more. They would have done more than just signing, you know, Tyler Croft, in free agency, but you look at the moves they made a receiver, right? I mean, you bring in Elijah Moore, you still have Mims, you have Corey Davis, you brought back Crowder and reworked his deal. Like they have guys in the slot that could be impact players and kind of fill that role that maybe a tight end would normally play. I mean, right guard is concerning just because, you know, you look at weaknesses on this offensive line, you expect left tackle, right tackle and left guard to be strengths. And you know, that your one weakness on the line, you know, teams are going to try an exploit from a game plan perspective. And if you have a rookie quarterback, so you much rather the line be good than, you know, have a great tight end. Cause if he doesn't have time to get the ball to the tight end, what does it really matter at the end of the day? So, you know, I think the jets are vastly improved on the offensive line, but you know, you can't remake all five offensive linemen in one off season. And we've seen that. And the jets have multiple first next year. They have all these picks. They have salary cap space again. So, you know, this is a work in progress. I think the, the offensive line, you know, started to get redone last year with Becton, improved this year now with Moses and obviously Vera Tucker. And then I think another offseason to really solidify that line is what's gonna what it's gonna take, you know, in 2022 for the Jets to feel like they have their offensive line of the future. You know, I asked Connor this um on the last episode and I was kind of curious in your thoughts. You kind of just, you know, segued me, segued me there and the, the great radio host you are, you kind of just did it naturally. But where's how quickly is there gonna be gotta be a like what year did the Jets have to make the playoffs before you go? All right, I'm, I'm again concerned. Like, all the positivity is great this year. Next year, they have to be a playoff team. Now we're at least, like, they got to be a 9-10 win team based on – it's been a 10-year rebuild, and it's then you reset it again. It's this is, We're already in the year two, kind of year three of the rebuild, if you really think about it. How, how, high, the ex, how high should your expectations be this year, win total-wise? And, like, where do they need to get to for you to go? With one more offseason, they're a playoff team. Then they can compete with Buffalo – Cleveland, Kansas City, and the AFC. 
I think it's an eye test just about how Zach Wilson looks. You know, that that's really what it comes down to. Like the, the Chargers this year, I think, are expecting playoffs because look what Herbert did as a rookie. Like I couldn't tell you how many games they won. I think they won maybe seven, but like but it's it doesn't really matter because it's like, oh, well, you have this young rookie quarterback, he's ready to blossom in year two now. So I, I think it just comes down to what we see out of Zach Wilson this year. If he shows signs like even Sam did at the end of his rookie year, where you're thinking, all right, big jump in year two then you could start talking playoffs, but you know, that should be the goal. You know, if you're not going to have a playoff expectation this year, then why not in 2022, you'd have a quarterback in his second year, coach in his second year, young team that all gets experience in 2021, all these draft picks, cap flexibility again next year. There's no reason why you're not thinking playoffs within, you know, the next two seasons. And would it be shocking if the Jets made the playoffs in 2021? Probably, but it's happened before. You just want this team to, to be competitive and play meaningful games late into the year. And if they're doing that, then absolutely your attention to 2022 shifts to, all right, we got the quarterback in place. We got our head coach. We got a young roster. Let's go make the playoffs. It's time. It's been 10 years, and it, it's time for you know the, the, the Jet fan to experience playoff games again for the first time in a decade. And now you kind of mentioned that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be – I would say it's it'd be surprising, but not – yeah, like you mentioned, out of the ordinary for a team, especially it's seven playoff teams. It's never been easier to get in the playoffs. Um, an extra regular season game, which the Jets draw fourth place Eagles team in New York. Um, obviously, we'll get to this a little later. That game could change vastly if uh, a particular 25-year-old superstar quarterback gets traded there. But, um, you know, who's the guy for you that you're watching? I know you mentioned CJ Mosley. You're like, if the Jets win eight, nine, ten games, which obviously, again, is probably on the higher end of what they could realize their ceiling is, Who's the guy that jumps out to you and goes, wow, this guy had an awesome year. He's probably playing at a Pro Bowl level. That's the reason that the Jets are kind of propelled themselves from six wins to maybe eight or nine. I think if you look at the offense, to me, it could be Elijah Moore. Because if he comes in as a rookie and just has like one of those years where it's like Justin Jefferson as a rookie, you know, th that type of season, or Odell as a rookie, then you're like, wow, okay. You know, this offense could take a huge, huge step forward. So I point to him because he's, to me, that X-factor type of playmaker the Jet fan has been desperately waiting for for such a long time. I think he's a guy that when he's right, he could totally – impact the game like a big play here or there could be the difference in winning or losing I think he's that type of player and then if you're looking at a guy you know defensively you know I really think it's Carl Lawson I mean if the Jets finally have their edge rusher of the future and Carl Lawson they have that pass rusher for the first time since you know John Abraham I think that makes Quinn Williams a better player I think that makes the secondary better I think that makes the, the safeties better knowing that they're going to get a rush up front they could take more chances in the secondary and be more aggressive so I, I really think you know you look at Lawson and what he brings from a you know leadership standpoint and just also the fact that he's been highly productive and now goes to a defensive system that probably fits his strengths better than what they did in Cincy I look at him and go man if this guy's a big year that's gonna impact everything for the Jets defensively yeah no I mean I couldn't agree more those are two guys that are huge keys because it brings a dynamic playmaker they have not had um, both as a deep threat and in, in you know, the screen game and short game they've got guys like have had guys like Crowder and Barrios and players like that who are nice players Crowder obviously is you know really solid NFL player but Elijah Moore does that but also has that break the top off the defense speed that can really you know create mismatches and things like that and then Lawson as well obviously you, you know a game wrecker on the defensive side of the ball and you know every analytic stat tells you Carl Lawson's due for an absolute monster season and you hope that being surrounded by the Williams, um, Sheldon Rankins of the world, John Franklin Myers, Foley, like all those guys, you hope that that's going to make him take that step into being like a really solidified. This dude's widely respected by the rest of the league. Wanted to ask you, there's two, one kind of future projection thing. And then this is kind of a fun thing. You, might, you and I are both baseball fans. I didn't prep you with this. So this is going to be right off the top. 
war is a huge stat baseball wise, right? You look at guys like Mike Trout and the amount of war wins above replacement player, they kind of accumulate. Um, and the NFL has not really gotten to the point yet. PFF does have one stat around war, but how much of a war from a coaching perspective does Robert Sala, you know, give you comparatively to Adam Gase? I know you've mentioned this on your radio show before, you know, by accident, you've used the term, they could win a couple more games just by not having Adam Gase as the head coach. How many wins around do you think Robert Sala is worth versus what Adam Gase was worth to the Jets in the last two years? It might be at least three, and I don't think that's that's crazy to say. I mean, it, like the the Jets were just so historically awful under Adam Gase, and you know, I think the difference might be like Gase has a habit of getting blown out. Like when things go well for Gase, a few times they did. The Jets actually looked competent, but it just was too you know few and far between. You know, I, I just feel like like the thing that Salah is going to do that Gase couldn't is be able to make adjustments. Like Salah welcomes getting punched to the mouth and having to respond. Gase like you know, craters the first time the Jets, you know, faced any adversity in the last couple of years. So it might be a, a three, four game swing just with improving this head coach. And that's if just Salah's is average. Like if Salah ends up being an elite head coach and gets the most out of his team, then, you know, it could be, dare I say, even more than that down the line. So I, I don't know if there's really a number you could put just and just a value you could put on just how important getting rid of Gase and going from Gase to Salah could potentially be. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Jets last year, they were, I mean, they were awful. Like, don't get me wrong. I very much agree. And like the whole nine yards, but like they should have won the Raiders game, obviously. That's a win right there. Both the Patriots games, they probably win with a decent head coach. That's 35 wins now you're at. And I'm probably missing one other game that sticks out in my head that I can't. Oh, like the Cardinals game where like the Cardinals were awful and then somehow still won by 30 points. It's like the Niners game with a good head coach that Niners had not one player like starting and the, the solo was on that staff, lost all of his edge rushers and still basically shut the Jets out. So, no, I couldn't agree more. I just thought that's a fun one. And you look at war and something I'd love to see, you know, kind of develop into the NFL. I'm not really sure how you can judge it as of yet, but that's something we hopefully can, you know, get from the analytic community because I think it's a great stat in baseball that's really telling, um, you know, kind of outside the numbers. But the other one I wanted to ask you is I put this out on Twitter and I've gotten some different responses. Generally speaking, the Jets fans have the same answer, but across the AFC East, I've gotten different ones. Looking down the line, we're sitting here, me and you are doing this podcast in 2024, let's say. Give every guy a couple couple years to kind of develop. How are you ranking those AFC East quarterbacks? I went Allen, Wilson, to a, then Mac Jones, or whoever is going to be the Patriots quarterback. Would you agree there, or are you a little higher on Tua and Mac than, than I am? I, I, I would have your list the same way. I'm not sold on Tua. And what could complicate everything is if, you know, the, the Dolphins are the team that gets in the mix for Deshaun Watson at some point here, right? So, you know, I, I think that could change some things. I'm with you. I, I think Zach Wilson's going to be good. It's tough to say he's going to be better than Josh Allen because Josh Allen now has proven that he's, you know, a, a borderline top five quarterback if he duplicates the year he just had in, in 2020. But, you know, I, I think if you're a Jet fan, you should be very optimistic about Wilson. But at the end of the day, we, we got to see it now. You know, I think, you know, we, we were all very high on Darnold and it didn't obviously work out for a variety of different reasons. So now, you know, we, we want to at least know I've made this point a lot. You know, like if Wilson's bad, we want it to be because he's just bad, not because the Jets failed him. And there's a shroud of like unknown on just what he is three years in. Like that can't happen. Like the Giants are about to find out what they have with Daniel Jones going into year three. They're, they're the Jets from a year ago they have the quarterback they gave them help you know they made big moves in the offseason to get them players now you need the quarterback to elevate like three years from now i hope we're having a conversation about the jets being able to elevate you know or zach wilson being able to elevate the talent that the jets already gave them 
The other thing I wanted to kind of ask you about here is, um, you know, a couple of big storylines around the NFL. There's a bunch of star guys. The way the new CBA works is basically like guys can't hold out. They just lose way too much money. So they kind of hold in um, as it's term like Tannenbaum put out and a couple other guys put out. Basically, they're not going to really practice. They're just going to report so they don't get fined um, and a true uh, homage to Marshawn Lynch. But, uh, you know, Chandler Jones, a guy who wants a new contract a guy that I would love to have the Jets on the Jets. I don't see them making that move. They're not, a, they're not in a, that window where like as cool as it'd be to have Carl Lawson, Chandler Jones and Quinn Williams in the same defensive line. I just don't see Douglas giving up premium picks, but Hey, you never know. I think that's something that he probably kicks the tires on more so than Zevian Howard, who's in the division. Don't see him getting moves to the Jets. Gilmore, same thing. Like again, corners, a huge need. I don't see Belichick and Brian Flores handing Joe Douglas a premier corner for not a lot of money. I mean, not a lot of draft capital. The two guys that are the most important and kind of change the picture of everything that's going on in the NFL is two of the top five quarterbacks, one out of their respective organizations for different reasons. Um, I have no qualms with Deshaun Watson wanting out of Houston. There's every reason to want out of that the dumpster fire that is the Texans right now, but he's got the legal stuff reported today. Quincy Avery said on Adam Schefter's podcast yesterday, you know, the trade's going to happen sooner rather than later. I thought that was pretty interesting. Then the news dropped this morning. Texans are open to trading him. You've kind of been all over this as well. What do you expect? We'll go with, you know, before we get to Rodgers, we'll go with Watson. What do you expect to happen here? Because we're already, you know, at the end of July, people are reporting yesterday and today. It kind of feels like a trade's going to have to happen sooner rather than later. Where do you see Watson? Where is the destination you think is a best for Watson to go? And B, where do you think he ends up? And it might be the same answer. So it's tough for me to picture the team that's trading for him right now. I know the reports have come out, but like the Texans have been listening for Deshaun Watson offers for for weeks already. Like this is not really a new report. I I think it's, you know, the Watson side trying to put pressure on the Texans to move them. But the reality is Nick Casario doesn't want to get ripped off here, right? Even though Watson is facing 22 civil lawsuits, you know, you don't want to just trade this guy. And for 25 cents on the dollar, because ultimately he's 25 years old. Eventually, even after a suspension, which I think will happen at some point here, he's going to play again. So you're, you're trading away one of the best quarterbacks in the league on a cost control contract. Like it's 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 not a move that you can make if you're the Texans that you, that you could afford to get wrong. Like you need to maximize this guy's value. So I think ultimately, you know, unless they get three ones, which is what's been put out there. I don't know if they're moving them until there's some sort of resolution with what's happening, happening legally. Like name me the team that's trading away three premium picks, three first round picks for a guy that is dealing with 22 active lawsuits against him. And there's likely an NFL suspension coming at some point. Like it might not be for a year, but eight games doesn't seem far fetched. Zeke got six games, big Ben a decade ago for similar instances, far less charges got four games. So I just, I don't think he's getting moved anytime soon. I think this is just like some pressure to try and get something done. But ultimately if the Texans stay in their ground, they, they shouldn't do anything until they have an idea of what suspension's coming. And then, you know, the biggest thing is why not wait till the off season? So, you know, what teams maybe that were, you know, feeling good about their quarterbacks now change their mind in the off season. Right. I mean, jet fans, we didn't think the jets would be in on Deshaun Watson a year ago. We thought Sam Darnold's the guy and 2020 happened. Right. I mean, if the giants have a terrible year. They got two ones next off season. Why wouldn't they maybe check in? under Sean Watson. So you, know, you could point to the Eagles. You could point to the Dolphins because they have draft capital. You could point to Denver because it seems like they might be a quote unquote quarterback away. But ultimately, if I'm the Texans, I'm waiting to trade him. I'm, I'm in no rush to trade the guy. Like his value is not what it should be yet. So I'll wait till his value is restored and then trade him when the time is right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's the way normal rational people would think. But at the same time, there's not I don't know if necessarily uh, Jack Easterby is a rational guy. So <laughs> I'm interested to see how much influence he has on this process, because it seems like I don't think his, I think Casera seems like a sharp guy. Um, we haven't really gotten a chance to see any of that, obviously, yet, because, you know, they're in total rebuild mode. But, man, if I'm Philly, they've got potentially three first rounders in 2022 coming up. If they trade for Watson in that awful division, and the Eagles are not great, but they've got a good offensive line. And you'd hope at some point, some of these young weapons, whether Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, you know, maybe you put a package together of these three ones and, and Jalen Hurts and the Texans find out if Jalen Hurts is for real this year. And then if not, they've got three first round picks to surround him with, or they pick number one overall, realistically. I'm the Eagles, I'm doing it. And I'm calling, you know, as quickly as possible. And also, I would think Deshaun would waive. Um, I know location's been a big thing for Watson in the past, and the Eagles have obviously proven they could win a Super Bowl and, and build, although they've been not so great the last couple of years. But I feel like the Eagles are the number one team for me that makes the most sense. I've said Miami and the Jets all along. The Jets obviously took Wilson. Miami, with that trade with the Eagles, um, to, you know, I just don't know that they're getting – they don't have the, quite the same capital they did pre, pre-Waddle trade. So, you know, we'll see, I guess, you know, I know Watson's, you know, been very excited about the possibility of working in my, like, you know, living in Miami and playing down there. Um, the other team, like you mentioned, the other two teams, if I was the Giants, this will not happen. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if I had Daniel Jones and four first rounders over the next two years, they can trade away. I am the Giants would be a Super Bowl favorite with the Bucs with that roster and Deshaun Watson, because the amount of weapons like everyone right now is like, maybe the Giants would be good. Maybe they're not. Have a good defense, they have a million weapons, a backfield of Saquon, Deshaun Watson, and then and you know, and you look at Galladay and Ingram and Shepard, and it's like, wow, that'd be pretty impressive. Kadarius Tony, that'd be pretty pretty scary. Again, the Giants won't do that. That's not a Dave Gettleman move, but you know, if I was the Giants, I would be calling them again. And then Denver, we'll get to this. We'll give me the segue with Aaron Rodgers. What's going to happen here with Rodgers? My prediction is they play one more year. Rodgers redoes his deal mid-year, basically to diminish his cap hit so they could trade him wherever he'd like to be, which I assume right now is either Vegas or Denver. What's your kind of thought process there? Devontae probably walks and maybe joins him in Vegas. I have no idea. But Rodgers, again, Packers are a Super Bowl contender. With Rodgers, without him, they're probably a six-win team because I have no idea what Jordan Love is. What's your prediction on Rodgers? I feel like he's, again, the and the AFC, Watson's probably the you know wild card. The NFC, Rodgers is the ultimate wild card right now, what happens with Green Bay. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he plays week one for the Packers, though. Like, I really think he comes back ultimately and plays. I, I just I don't see a scenario where they trade the guy. Not yet. I could see them coming to terms on a deal where his contract could void after the year or his cap hit, as you say, gets lowered and they could trade him to the team he wants to go to. But I think we're going to get the last dance Green Bay Packers version with Rodgers and Green Bay. He'll finish his career somewhere else, just like Brady did by leaving the Patriots. But ultimately, when you had Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers post that like MJ Scotty Pippen last dance thing on their Instagram story, that to me was like last dance. We're coming back one more season. We're both going to go out somewhere else together because ultimately, you know, we could talk about the Packers, you know, not drafting wide receivers for Rodgers and all they shouldn't have taken Jordan Love. All that is true. But still, roster-wise, they are as good as any team in the NFC. They were 13-3 and two years in a row and hosted the championship game at Lambeau. I know the Bucs won the Super Bowl, and we forget, but the Green Bay Packers are still a perennial Super Bowl favorite as long as he comes back and plays quarterback. He goes anywhere else, that's not the same thing we can automatically say. So I think Rodgers has to stop 
being a baby here and just show up to work, play one more year. You're on a good football team that has a chance to win. Try and win another championship because Brett Favre only won one there. You could be the the Packer quarterback that could win two Super Bowls. I mean, I, I just think the, the situation's annoying already. Like they're not trading you. Play one more year, work it out, and go somewhere else. But I'm tired of hearing about it because like I don't think anything's changing. Yeah, I mean, if you were to trade him, I would have traded him before the draft to Denver and gotten a you know, try to get a million things. And then you would have had Justin Fields in Green Bay and maybe he's not in Chicago. I will tell you this, if Green Bay trades Rodgers, you know, I I think instantly Chicago looks a lot different on paper and you go, oh, Justin Fields, by the end of the year, you might be going, wow, he's awesome. Because like until Rodgers is out of that division, it's kind of, he kind of just feels like the Packers own it. The Packers have the best left tackle, the best cornerback, the best receiver and the best quarterback, arguably in football or the reigning MVP. I don't want to get the Mahomes people in my mentions, but whatever they have four the four premier positions in, in football and like Zanary Smith is no joke at edge. Like their team is really good. And if they make a different play call and don't kick an extra point there, or um, you know, King doesn't give up about 1500 yards worth of hail Marys and <laughs> penalties in that game, they're going to probably win the super bowl, you know? Um, so like, I, I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to imagine trading the form, the reigning MVP who had one of the best seasons I've ever seen of a quarterback right before training camp. And then just going, we'll roll with the guy from Utah State. We've never seen take an NFL snap. Just doesn't feel, doesn't feel right. Wanted to get a couple quick predictions, you know, from you. And obviously you're, you know, you can basically, you can change your mind. No one's going to hold you to it. But if you had to go with the way the AFC shakes out um, in terms of kind of the way the standings shake out, we'll go and rat- we'll rattle through them here. So how the, how do you feel like the AFC shakes out in terms of, I feel like it's Buffalo, Miami, the Jets, and I think New England finishes in fourth. That's my pick right now, but I, I might change that, you know, depending on how Mac Jones looks in the preseason. But how do you feel like the AFC, uh, AFC shakes out as a whole? Yeah, it's, I still would favor Buffalo. I, it wouldn't shock me, though, the Jets come in second. I, I just have a feeling we're going to get a better Jets year than people think. I mean, I'll probably like it's it's tough to picture the Patriots being bad, but I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't think they're as good as people think they are. Like, I understand Belichick's an all-time great coach, but I'm sorry. Like, their free agent spending spree, like, they added some nice players, but they didn't do anything that I think is, like, groundbreaking. And I also don't think Cam Newton's any good. Like, I think he's shot. And I don't think – and I think some Patriot fans might be in denial just on, like, what Cam Newton is at this stage of his career. And then if they do go over to the Mac Jones, like, let's see what Mac Jones is, right? I mean, like the idea that they just found another Tom Brady, like they didn't. So let's, let's stop with that. That's nonsense. So I don't know. I, I really think that the Dolphins could be good if Tua's good, but I don't know what to expect from Tua this year in his second year. So it wouldn't shock me if like the Bills lead the way and then the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots are all kind of around the same. Like, I don't know if there's going to be like that much of a difference necessarily between those those couple teams there I could see the Jets winning seven or eight games this year I wouldn't be surprised and if they have a uh, you know if Wilson's good then you know what we've seen crazier things happen where the Jets could have a winning record so I don't think it's crazy to think that at all yeah I mean if you look at the Chargers last year Herbert was amazing and if they have a coach I love Anthony Lynn as a guy I think he's a he's a good coach I don't think he's a good head coach and if they win any of those a million games that they blow down the stretch over the last couple of years, but let alone last year as well, they're probably a playoff team and you're looking at stuff differently. Brand Staley is going to be an absolute stud with the chargers. And I think they're going to be, that division is absolutely stacked. Um, couple of, couple of quick ones more. The only thing I think the only caveat, and I know I don't want to get political with the COVID vaccine, but the bills look like they're a mess with what's going on. And maybe it's just social media, but 
players are all at odds. And I don't feel like the whole league is really at odds with what's going on. All these guys know they want to get their money and they want to play and they want to keep themselves safe and their families. The Bills are a mess. It's not just Cole Beasley. There's some Josh Allen stuff that's floating around with the vaccine. There's offensive linemen who don't want to get the vaccine. There's defensive linemen who want them to get – it's it's not pretty. Um, I think that's the little, the real wild card in that division. Yeah, it's Wilson and Mack and Tua, but it's – are the Bills going to get vaccinated? Because if not, they might get – they could severely – like their season could go sideways quickly for a team that should be able to win a Super Bowl this year. So, again, not to be political, it's just – that that is a huge deal and like we can't underestimate the fact that they are very outspoken guys about not getting the vaccine and they're star guys they're not they're not just uh you know you're you're you know jag guys that are you know just another guy it's a lot of players too and any player that's like oh i'm not gonna be disclosed whether or not i'm vaccinated that means they're not vaccinated because you were vaccinated you have no hipaa 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 let's let's uh, let's all research what hipaa means before we start just using the word hipaa as if we know what we're talking about here yeah, pretty much. I mean, Dak's like, oh, isn't that like a HIPAA violation? Like, no, Dak, you could t- disclose if you got the COVID vaccine yeah, or not. It's but... not a HIPAA violation at all. <laughs> it, it, it's a good point, though. I mean, look, I, you know, obviously the NFL is not messing around with COVID. And, you know, as a fan, I hope they all get vaccinated because you don't want games to be canceled. You don't want your bets or your fantasy team to be impacted or the team you root for. So, look, you know, the teams that don't get vaccinated, they're taking a chance and we'll see how that plays out. Well, we'll end you with two quick questions here from a gambling perspective. We've talked about this a little bit. The Zach Wilson rookie of the year bet as something that, you know, value wise and also as a Jets fan is not something that's unrealistic at this point. I, you know, I've put in a bet on it. I know you've put in a bet on it. Um, it's in the article that dropped today on the website I put on. My two questions are one over the actually we'll put in three gambling questions over under six and a half wins to the Jets win total. I know you kind of mentioned this. Um, I think they're plus 100 to go over. Zach Wilson, rookie of the year. Um, I think it's a hundred to win a 800 or a thousand, depending upon the book you have. And then who is the Jets guy you predict that will make the pro bowl outside of like, who's the guy that you're like, this guy's a lock to make the pro bowl. So over under six and a half wins, Zach Wilson, rookie of the year. Is it a good bet? Yes or no. And see who's the jet that makes the pro bowl that you're like, that's hundred percent happening. I'd go over on the win total. I feel good about it. Um, I, I think the number's pretty right. Like I could see like at the low being six and I could see the high being seven or eight. So I think they got like the, like, and like we went kind of went through it earlier in this podcast. Like some of the games they should have won last year, like they won two games, but like, you know, the Raider game, the choke job against the Patriots, like you can point to games where it's like it, it, a, a competent coaching staff, you win. So I don't think it's crazy to see the Jets, you know, going seven and 10 this year. It just depends on, you know, what Zach Wilson is as a rookie so i'd go over on the win total i you know you and i have talked about this i love the rookie of the year bet because three of the last five years a quarterback has won rookie of the year offensively and the jets and the jaguars are the only two teams that we know are starting rookie quarterbacks from week one on so you know that that should essentially help you right you could bet trevor lawrence but there's not great value on it so i think it's either him or wilson that win the award so i'm on (laughs) i'm on zach wilson and the Pro Bowl question, I mean, to me, Will, it has to be Quinn Williams, right? I mean, it could be Makai Becton, could be Quinnen. Uh, Makai, the only thing that concerns me is maybe the injury risk and the fact there's so many good left tackles on some of these elite teams, so it might be tougher to make. But I think he should get there. And Quinn Williams, look, going into his fourth season now in the NFL, you're expecting big things out of him, and he was having that type of year before he got hurt last year. So I would say Quinnen or Becton for the Pro Bowl. 
awesome, awesome stuff there. And, you know, I, again, I think there's Jets have potential to probably have between uh, two or three pro bowlers. I asked Connor in the last pot, I was like over under three pro bowlers. And it was like, honestly, like you could see over. And I have not said that about the Jets since the end of the last decade. Last question. Last question we'll finish up with here. It's a fun one. I'm assuming you're going to go week one, but outside of week one matchup, you cannot wait for um, on the Jets schedule. Ooh. So I, I do live in Houston. So even though no one really cares about the, a random Jets Texans game in November, it's the a fact chance that I for get a the, W it's a chance for a win Jets coming to the hometown, coming to my, uh, my hometown here, or at least my temporary hometown in Houston. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, all the Jet fans that are going to travel down and tailgate. There's a huge Jet fan base actually in Houston. A lot of transplant New Yorkers live here. So selfishly, I'm excited for that game because I could see the Jets in person. But, I, you know, the home opener week two against the Patriots should be fun. The matchup with the Jaguars and Wilson versus Lawrence should be a lot of fun. There's there's, there's very quietly some some cool matchups on a, on a Jet schedule that, you know, I think if you're a fan, you should be really looking forward to. Uh, the one matchup no one's really talked about, and there's a chance we don't even get it because of how good the Bucks are going to be and potentially how good or not good the Jets are going to be. But week 16 or week 17, I guess, because of the, the additional schedule, getting to see Brady one last time realistically in MetLife. Um, and I know it's, you know, he's killed the Jets over the past, but it would be really fun to watch the, just to see the Jets, you know, rough up Brady a little bit going into the playoffs, maybe, you know, maybe knock them out of the one seed and knock them down to a two or three seed and be like, you know what? We won seven games. Wilson's the truth. And, you know, we, we, and we messed up Tom Brady's chance to win a 500 Super Bowl ring. But thanks again, Jake, for coming on. If, you, if you're not following Jake on Twitter, you're missing out on a lot of, you know, good content, whether it's Jets, Yankees, you know, sports as a whole. I know Jake's a big Knicks guy. I am not. Um, but, you know, other than that, we kind of align sports wise. But no, Jake's doing an awesome job, on, you know, on, on Sports Map Radio and YouTube channel, which I'm on a lot. So if you'd like to catch that, you know, make sure you guys go subscribe there, you know, like, follow the whole nine yards and uh, you know hopefully we'll have you back on during the season and we'll be able to talk about a, a huge win in Houston and we'll get your you know recently you know response of how the how good the crowd was yeah looking forward to well anytime you need me you know I'm, I'm happy to come on I gotta get you back on YouTube soon as we get get uh get set for training camp here and a matter of days and certainly the preseason watching this quarterback up close is gonna be a blast yeah and no, I'm excited to uh you know be able to get to watch some training camp in person and uh you know put out some videos on Twitter and uh, hopefully people will be able to you know enjoy those but uh We'll talk to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday, and then you know, looking forward to uh, you know, the rest of the week. Thanks again, Jake.